it not suave to do the announcements from this mic? Would you please stand and join us in worship?
happy that you're here with us this morning. Would you please turn to your neighbor and welcome them? Good morning, everybody. We're so glad that you are here with us at First Church. Thanks for sharing Sunday with us. Uh, if you are new here, do us a favor. Uh, there's an information center out in the foyer. We would like to give a gift to you and tell you how much we appreciate you worshiping with us this morning. So go find us out there so we can connect with you. Uh, also, if you see an attendance pad near you, go ahead and take that up, fill it out, check the boxes you need to check, and pass it to your pew neighbors this morning. Um, there's also prayer request cards in there. Um, so please fill those out, uh, and you can turn them in as the offering plates pass around. Um, so we don't throw those away. We are going to be interceding for you this week. So know that we're praying for you. Turn those requests in uh, to the plate. Um, if you'd like to buy a poinsettia uh, in honor or in memory of a loved one, there are envelopes uh, in the bulletin to do so for $10. Um, so we just want to thank you for, for partaking in that and for helping us decorate the sanctuary and making it look uh, festive for the season. Um, also, today... This day, we are going to be hanging the greens right after church, um, so we could very much use your help. Uh, there were no RSVPs for child care, so there won't be child care, but lunch is provided. So please stick around and help us hang the greens today. Ladies, there's an annual holiday tea coming up soon. Uh, it's this Saturday, sorry, it's Saturday, December 6th, so get your tickets today in the foyer, and those are $15. I was the only one who RSVP'd for the guys' tea, so we're going to try to do that next year. So, guys, it's all right. We'll try again. Uh, finally, Bethlehem Live. It's our annual Christmas outreach. Uh, this is uh, to families, and it's, it's right around the corner. We still need about four volunteers to make all the things happen that we want to. So please email Cindy Johnston if you are willing to help. And if you are attending, you can pre-register your family at firstchurch.net slash events. Uh, this is a great, sorry, a great event to invite your friends and neighbors to uh, and just to be intentional about the community that we live in. Uh, so thank you guys. Those are announcements, and I believe we have the children's sermon coming up. So if you're a young one, go ahead and come join Doug up right now. Thank you. Let's do it. Meet you at the front now. Okay, who's sitting where, right? Okay. All right. Got your seat. All right, buddy. You too, Rick. Y'all are all entrenched, right? Good morning. Good morning. How are y'all doing? Good. Hey, buddy. All right. Did y'all like that first song we sung? It's like one of my favorite songs. You know, at my funeral, they're going to sing that, you know. Uh, so we're going to be celebrating that. What are you laughing about, David? <laughs> he thinks it's a funny song for a funeral. I don't think it's a funny song for a funeral. You it's, think it's a funny It's just song the like fourth or fifth song you said you're going to have at your funeral. You're going to have a long funeral. I'm, I am going to have a long funeral. You know, that's my last stage call. You know. <laughs> so I want to be sure that we have a good time when we're there. 
I want all happy songs, all right? Show us your power. Show us your glory. I like those words. you like those words? You know what this book is? The Bible. How do you know it's a Bible? It could be something else. It could be any kind of book, couldn't it? Yeah, see? You think it's a Bible? This could be a trick. Could be a trick. Have you already read the title? It's a holy Bible, isn't it? It's the same kind of Bible, right? Yeah. It is a Bible. This thing is filled up with stories. Did you know that? All, all true stories, yeah. All kinds of stories. Uh, we're going to talk about one of those stories today, but it's a long, long story. You know how long a story can be? This one's going to take like years and years and years to ever get over with. So you want me to tell you the whole thing now? Yeah. Yeah. Well... We might dwindle the crowd pretty soon if I told all the stories of Moses, right? But I'm going to talk about Moses later on. But I really like Moses' story because it's about a certain thing. Got any idea what it could be about? The story of Moses? Yeah. Moses. It is about Moses. That's true. He's telling the story and he's in it. Got anybody else, any idea who else is included in that story about Moses? What are most of the stories about? Yeah. God, almost a universal right answer, right? For the questions of children's church. Yeah, what else? Jesus. Jesus, that's right, that's true. God and Jesus, what else? Angels, it's about angels. It's about power, isn't it? And glory, that's right. It's also about people, right? But even though all that's good stuff and it's very interesting, the part I really like about it is because it's a, it's a story of salvation and Moses plays a key role in the people of Israel getting saved, getting saved from their sins. We call that deliverance back in the Old Testament days. That's how they really thought about salvation. They thought about it as deliverance. And it's a long, long, long story. Now, it has a definite beginning. And even though God had a people, they were his people uh, down through the ages in, in history, it was really at the Exodus where God used Moses to call his people out of slavery in Egypt and to set them free to become his people in a new land that was flowing with milk and honey. That word deliverance we talked about two or three weeks ago, remember? And then last week, Miss Cindy talked about Moses and his calling, right? We're going to try and wind all that together today and talk about salvation. I like salvation stories. You, you know, one of the good things about being a preacher and staying somewhere a long time is you get to watch young boys and girls grow up to be youth. And if you stay long enough to become young adults. And you get to watch how God delivers them year after year in different ways. You watch them mature and grow up, and they get to where someday they don't even want to sit on stage. Someday they want to be sitting over there in the corner. And the people over there in the corner will have moved out to the adult part of the church. You know, so you're moving along, and that's one of the things I want to be sure you understand today. is when we talk about God's salvation, there's a particular thing that happens in our lives, many things actually, that happened before we don't even know it. Do you know why your parents bring you to church? You don't? I th thank you for the honest answer. Let me tell you why. This is a secret. They're bringing you to church so that you can become a Christian. And sometimes you don't know it. You just think it's something you have to do because your parents are making you do it. But really, they're bringing you to church so little by little, you'll come to know God until someday, it'll be like turning on the light switch at your house. And your life will be filled with light because you'll get it. And it'll be a moment in your life when you'll say, yes, I want that God too. You'll be making an adult type decision. But even after you make that decision, you're going to have to do a lot of more stuff. 
The rest of your life is going to be about your salvation too. It's going to be about how God continues to work with you. And that's what we're going to talk about today, the journey of salvation. Do you know part of your journey of salvation will be that God will call you to do something special for God? Did you know that? Yeah, he will. He'll be calling each of you to do something special. I don't know what it'll be, but God will reveal that to you. In fact, at many different times in your life, like today, we're going to remember Dan and, and uh, McCann and his wife, Carol, who are about to take a mission trip to the Philippines. You know, they're going over there to help get ready for Christmas for the people they support over there. So, see, God has called them to do that, and that's why we pray for them and we ask God to bless them and to take care of them while they do the work that God has called them to do. What do you think God might call you to do? You got any idea? No clue. Well, you know what? You're not the only one that knows that way. There are a lot of people sitting out there right there today that are not for sure why God has called them or how God is calling them. But sooner or later, they're going to call me, and I'm going to tell them how, why, how God has called them, right? No, probably not. But I'm going to tell them about how God is calling all of us to do some things, and then you have to listen very closely so that you can hear God when God calls you to do something. You think you can do that when you grow up? I bet you can if you try. I'm going to pray right now that that's exactly what you'll do, okay? Dear God, thank you for calling us to be your children and to grow up to be your youth and to grow up more to be adults and get old and all that time we'll keep listening for the calls that you give to us because we want to be faithful Lord, as you look at your children, I know that you love them. And on this last Sunday of the Christian year, as we get ready to start the Christian year over again next week, I pray that it will be a fresh start for each of these young children. That in a special and different way, Christmas will have even newer meaning for them this year than it's had in the past. I know, Lord, that you are not just their Savior, but you are also their Lord and their King. And so I pray that they will be listening for the King's call, so that when you call, they will follow you wherever you lead them. For I ask your blessing upon each one of them. And all of God's people said, Amen. Thank you so much. You don't want to be old? There's only one way to not be old. That's to die young. Think about that. Think about it. Don't forget it. Are you ready? You ready? Come on home. stand for the reading of God's word. We're going to be reading from the book of Exodus, chapter 13, verses 17 through 22. The word of the Lord. Now when Pharaoh had let the people go, God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, even though it was near. For God said the people might change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. Hence, God led the people around by the way of the wilderness to the Red Sea. And the sons of Israel went up in martial array from the land of Egypt. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for he had made the sons of Israel solemnly swear, saying, God will surely take care of you, and you shall carry my bones from here with you. 
Then they set out from Sukkoth and camped at Etham on the edge of the wilderness. The Lord was going before them in a pillar of cloud by day to lead them on the way and in a pillar of fire at night to give them light that they might travel by day and by night. He did not take away the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night from before the people. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. And if the ushers would come forward. Let us pray over this time. Oh God, we do give you thanks. And we remember this week that primarily we are thankful to you and you alone. We thank you, God, for your blessings. We thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness when things are difficult. We thank you, God, that you are with us. And we thank you, Lord, for your provision in our lives, that all that we have, Lord, is truly from you. And so it is our joy, and it is with grateful hearts that we give back a portion to you. Lord, we pray your peace over this land and over this place. And Lord, where there are wars and rumors of war, where there is difficulty and strife, we pray, Lord, that you would be strong, that your name would be exalted, and that people that love you and honor you, God, you would protect them. And that those that have yet to know your name would learn of your story and turn to you. We do pray for the peace of Jerusalem. We pray, Lord, that all the people that live there and in the Middle East, that they would come to know how you love them and that you are alive and you walk with us all. So, Lord, for people that this week might be a difficult week or for those that it might be a very easy time to be with family and friends, Lord, we choose to be thankful regardless of our circumstance and regardless of the situation that we are in. We look to you. And Lord, all that we have and all that we are, we have because of you. And we thank you. Be with missionaries, Lord. Be with armed service people overseas, people that are far away from home this week. Lord, thank you that our home is really in you. And as you are with us, we are at home. So thank you, Lord, for this time. We are grateful. And it is in your name that we pray. Amen. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a of God born of his spirit washed in his blood and this is my story this is my song praising my Savior 
Sing it out. And this is my story. This is my song. Praising my This is my song. 
freezing my Savior all the day long. This is my story. Oh, this is my song. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. So this next song that um, we're going to sing is talking about, you know, stepping out on faith and just focusing on the Lord, and, um, you know, I was feeling so, like, under the weather, and I was just like, Lord, like, I'm not going to sound good, and he was just like, Ariel, it is not about you, it is about me, and I don't care how you sound or how you look while praising me, and I think that's what he wanted me to tell you guys is that it doesn't matter, like, how you look while you're praising him or how you sound. And I think that's what he wanted me to tell y'all was to step out on faith. Because that's what this song is saying is to step out and to focus on him and no one else in this room or outside of this room. That we can come together as one and fully just worship him. So will you guys sing that with me and call me out. You call me out upon the waters, the great unknown, the feet may fail. And there I find you in the mystery, an ocean free, my faithless.
Gracious God, we've seen the waves. We felt the sting as the salt of life blew in our faces. We've known the fear that sneaks up on us at times and at other times just confronts us boldly, threatening to wash us away. And we've also known your presence who calls us not to run from the waves or the winds of life, but to walk boldly forward in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. For you are our leader and our deliverer. You are the one whose power is sufficient. You are the one whose gift of grace is strong enough for the greatest trial. You are our strength our salvation. In you, we find our rest. In you, we find our renewed energy and the power to get out of the boat and to walk upon the waves of life. Not for ourselves, but for others, even as our Lord walked for us. Be with us now this morning and speak to us. Your words of truth and life that we might become more who you've called us to be so that you might use us in some small way to be your instrument in your work of salvation on this earth as your spirit hovers over humanity even in the darkest most violent places where it seems no one can prevail for good let us go there, Lord, for that is where you are. In the most troubling moments of life, you are there calling your children to follow the cloud, the pillar of fire that is the presence of God in their life. We hear you gladly this morning. Whisper when we need you to whisper. Shout when we need you to shout. May your boldness become our boldness. For we ask it all in Christ's precious name. Amen. Please be seated. It's hard to believe it's the end of, the, of another Christian year, and the Lord has not yet returned. But it is. Today is Christ the King Sunday on the liturgical calendar, the last Sunday in the Christian year that we remember that Jesus came not only as our Savior, but as the King of the universe, the King of all creation, the Lord of life. It's great to celebrate that and all we've learned in the past year in our own individual walks of faith, and all that we have seen God do in the people of God. Certainly this story in the Old Testament reminds us of that constancy with which God looks after his people. It is so hard for us to get into this uh, group therapy that Jesus does through the people of this world. We prefer individualized therapy for the most part in this country, but yet in the scriptures it seems like God is always acting and moving more strongly when people are gathered together, when people are numerous 
It seems like his actions are more clearly discerned through a body of believers or followers or even non-believers than it's discerned individually. Perhaps that's because when we're trying to determine what's happening to us individually, we're so caught up with our own individual selves that we can't see clearly what God is trying to do. I'm sure Cindy mentioned that last week. When God was calling Moses, Moses couldn't see him as a delivering instrument of God because all he could see was himself, stuttering, stammering, kind of a guy who didn't really want to do it. And yet what God saw was a person who, when they agreed to it, would become the deliverer for their own very people of God to take him out of slavery into a land flowing with milk and honey or into the good life, we might say today. And so, that's where the story begins. Now, for me personally, salvation has always been a, a very ongoing reality. I didn't realize that when I started the journey. And I don't think I realized it until a good ways down the journey, just how important it was for me to know that. To realize that the work of Christ in my life was not something that was just going to happen at a crisis point or two or five or six, but rather it was going to be the continuing grace of God that transformed me as God delivered me from one place in life to another, as God delivered me from one reality of being to become another, as God changed me personality in all ways, and lately physically, and that's really hard work for God to deliver me physically. You know what a vacation does for you mainly? It reminds you of how challenging life is. You know, you're, you've been eating so well for so long, and then all of a sudden, not so much. I would like to, I'm glad to come back from vacation for that reality because it's easier to get my life in a row when everything is nice and neat and planned, right? When everything's nice and neat and planned, it's easy to let God rule your life. It's when you get outside of the borders of what you're planning to do and start just responding to things that you really become quite dangerous. You know, pretty young lady came by the table the second time. Would there be a dessert? We were eating at a place called White Chocolate Grill. And Sally's sitting there going, no, you know, we shouldn't. I said, what's your favorite? And actually, I think Sally said, what's your favorite? And she named the top two on the menu. And we never got past the brownie and the white chocolate brownie with the ice cream and the, and the lot of sugar. I was on high for several hours before I could fight that back down. And I should have got up on the waves and testified, but instead I just slunk down and picked up a new spoon and dove in. Because I knew on the other side of that brownie was life again, right? And sometimes that's not the case and sometimes it is. But for me, life is like that. It has always been moving from one challenge to another and quite frankly enjoying that reality. Because I know that whenever I'm challenged, God is soon going to be there to show his power, to show his presence and offering me an opportunity to be delivered. There is nothing like the experience of deliverance. Be clear. Nothing like it. There's nothing like it for you when it's for you. There's 
nothing like it when it's for someone else and you get to be a part of it, when you get to watch it. What I was telling the young children should be true for every one of you. For every one of us, when we arrive, we should be seeing those children all about the church, sitting with their parents, scattered amongst the congregation. We should see them as youth, and we should be thinking about how God is planning to use you in their deliverance. We should think about it when we're walking through our neighborhood and we see kids that we know are never going to church, wondering how God is going to deliver them so that we might think that thought so that then we could get the commercial, you know, slap in the face, and you turn the other way and you get slapped on the other side. And then God says, the way they're going to get saved is by you inviting them to church. I've been waiting on you to be involved in their deliverance. You say, well, wait a minute, Doug, deliverance is about God. There we go. There's our starting point. That's where we're jumping off today. Let's jump off into the story of deliverance because I am so interested in that as a part of salvation. It's not all that salvation is, but it is certainly at the center of what it means. If you like the word transformation, you can use that. But transformation is not quite as strong as deliverance. Because transformation is about the remaking of your soul. And certainly God wants to do that and intends to do that. But deliverance implies and means quite clearly that we will be removed from that which is hurting us. Be removed from a danger. We'll be released from a captivity. Remember the words of Jesus when he says, I came to set the blind to let the blind have sight and to set those those in captivity free it's about restraint deliverance restrains the evil in our lives now let's call him Moses Moses okay Moses got the picture you've heard the story you know it a million times how are you going to tell it to your children it's going to take a lot of stories first of all if you're going to do Moses in Exodus justice you're going to have to divide it up into smaller bites I'm not going to do that today I'm going to finish it uh, right here for you on this Moses thing and, and this salvation journey. I want you to understand that this man that was called after the ten plagues had happened, after the firstborns had died, after the people he'd told Moses the people could leave, after Moses had told the people to go to the, the people there in Egypt and ask them for silver and gold and clothing, which <laughs> they did. <laughs> Can you imagine that? Yeah, we just wiped you out, but we'd like your gold and your silver, too, on the way out the door. But God said, do it, and so they did, and guess what? They followed. They did it. Now, I can picture these people. They're in such a hurry to get out of Egypt. God's called them, but they don't even put leaven in their dough. They just take it as it is and leave. But they don't forget the gold and the silver and the new clothes, right? Now, can you see the picture? I think it's going to come up here on the screen. Yeah, there it is. They marched in kind of military fast, fast, uh, fashion. And as you see, it's a pretty good picture, actually. I know it's not real clear, but you don't need to see the, the faces to know that that's a horde of people. Hundreds of thousands of people. Possibly even millions, according to these counts, you believe. And they're walking down that path in that road with Moses directing them toward the promised land. Now, I, you know, you just hardly ever get over that when you think about that story. You know, the Exodus is coming out again in movie form. I, I saw it advertised the other night. doesn't look anything like the Bible, actually, but uh, might make a good story. But I think Moses is a real hero in this film. You've seen it already? Not yet, but you're ready, right? Okay. Me too. I probably will argue with it most of the way through, but <laughs> at least it'll get the name of God out there, right? In a way that people can hear it. So here we are, leaving Egypt, taking the plunder with us, 
and we're in a hurry. Here's something we need to remember about deliverance. God had a plan to deliver these people. God had an intentionality about how to deliver the nation of Israel from their captivity. He just didn't wake up one morning and say, I think I'll deliver the people today and snap his fingers. No, God had a plan. And you get a key into that at these subtle verses that we're reading today. If you're wondering why you picked those verses to read, you'll know before we end. Verse 17 again. Now when Pharaoh had let the people go, God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, even though it was near. That wasn't in God's plan. He wasn't going to lead them by the way of the Philistines. You know who the Philistines were, right? They're the United States of their day. They were militarily superior to the people around them. They were strong. They were the giants in the land. So God in his wisdom had a plan. Don't take them by way of the Philistines. Why? Because what it says in the last part of 17 verses, if we take them there, it might mean war. And if it meant war, the people might change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. God had a plan. And he knew it was going to take time to save this stubborn, stiff-necked people. And so he avoided that which was too much for them at that time and took them another way. Now, when the church thinks about deliverance, we need to have a plan. We need to know more than a verse or two to throw at people. We need to have a generalized concept of how we take part in God's delivering his people. And it needs to include not trying to stuff more down their throat than they can take at a given moment in their history. That's hard for us Christians, isn't it? We get somebody's attention and they respond to the salvation of God. We're so happy and then we start telling them everything they need to do. Next Sunday you look around church and they're not there. What happened? We gave them the Philistines. And they said, I can't possibly change all that stuff. Can you imagine the missionaries in, in places where they don't know anything about the kind of moral values that Christians have. You know, the chieftain of the village has 17 wives and is looking for the 18th. And the missionary comes in and says, no, you can't have 18 wives. You can't have it. What? How can a man get along with only four or five or ten? I don't know. How you get, well, yeah, it's a different subject. <laughs> not going to go there. I've had a week off with my wife. I'm not going to mess it up this quickly. <laughs> Maybe next week, but not this week. We sometimes ask people to do too much when they're saved. Because you see, when they're saved and they experience that in their heart, a lot of times they've got a lot of crud in their life. It's going to take years to unpack that. We have to have a plan that allows them to enter into the process, lifted up as the children of God, without demanding that everything be solved in a moment. Now, it's possible I've, there are cases where some people are just delivered of most of the, the evil in their lives and their, and their past ways. That is possible. I've seen it. I've had people witness to it. But the more often experience of humanity is that it's such a process that they have to work at understanding the plan, which is what Sunday school is about. 
It's what worship is about for those who have been delivered. It's about understanding the plan better and where you are in the plan and what's happening next so that you won't wander into a land of the Philistines where you're not prepared to handle it. It's why you won't let your children go just anywhere to play. It's why you set up rules for your youth so that they have borders that they don't cross. There's a reason nothing good happens after midnight or 11 or wherever you set the boundaries. Tell the story the way you want in your own home. But the reality is that we all need boundaries, and we must be careful to help people live within those boundaries of their salvation, giving them the opportunity to move forward as they're ready. For as soon as we start trying to push our agenda on them, then the plan has become more about us than it is about them. Now, God was careful about that. He didn't want Moses getting carried away either, although he generally did, finally did at one point. And Mo God led them himself by the cloud and the pillar of fire because, you see, that was so hard for them to believe God was there. God kept his presence before them day and night. When were they sleeping? That's a long line, right? I mean, I don't know how long you're going to walk like that, but they were walking that way, burdened down with all that treasure, all those dreams of what was just around the corner, by day and by night. Now, here is the tension. We have to give people the opportunity to grow in the process of their deliverance, but at the same time, sometimes we have to move quickly to help people get as far away as is possible without overburdening them from their past life. Get them as far away from Egypt as you can, as fast as you can. That's why they're traveling day or night. Because the Egyptian ruler Pharaoh may change his own mind and come after them. But also because the people hold on to those old ways, don't they? They hold on to those old ways. We do too. And we don't always choose the best ones to hold on to. But we hold on to our own old ways as well. It was necessary to move the people quickly while avoiding the pitfall of overdoing it. And then one more thing was going to be needed. They're going to get far enough along in this story where Pharaoh is going to come after them. And it's been a while now. The journey's getting long. And what's the first thing they scream? Oh, Moses, you brought us out here. What would you bring us here for? To kill us? To kill us? And Moses, oh, my Lord. He's just, I'll kill you myself if God will let me, you know. And then God thinks about it. And Moses, no, 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 just kidding, God, just kidding. You know, you can't let these people die. I mean, they're your people now. You put your mark on them. It's, it's going to make a bad story out there in the, in the press if we let them be wiped out. You know, so, you know, here in other places, Moses is going to intercede for them when they start whining and grumbling. But here's the first big case. There's the Red Sea in front of them. I don't want to know about all the stories that the scholars tell us. You know, and the liberal commentaries, Red Sea is only about this deep. So therefore, they couldn't really be a sea. It's probably a sea of reeds. So it's probably really shallow water. It wasn't that big a deal. Okay. Let's just take that side. Suppose it's only that deep. What a miracle that God could take ankle-deep water and make waves enough to wipe out an army. <laughs> really? I mean, you can have it any way you want it. I don't care. They still died. And they died because the water just engulfed them when the people acted on what God called them to do through their leader Moses. 
they had to walk out into that sea. They had to be brave enough to do their part in their own deliverance. It's not just a God thing, although it's mostly about God. We still have to respond. We still have to move forward. We still have to obey. If we don't, there's not much God can do. Because God has given us this thing we call free will. And God just chooses not to overwhelm that free will very often. I mean, even the Apostle Paul could have changed his mind. Now, granted, he was struck blind. He went to a guy's house. And the guy spoke words over me. All of a sudden, he could see. He'd have to be pretty stupid not to believe at that point. But he could have. He could have kept on persecuting Christians. He could have said, thanks for the healing, bud. But I like the old way better. But he didn't. Instead, he followed Christ. There is a response from the people that is necessary in deliverance. And the same is true for us, is it not? If we get some distance from our past in a way that, that is safe enough and filled with tension enough to cause us to move forward, then we can move beyond that past, embracing the reality of God's deliverance more and more. You know, that's why we talk to some people about giving. We suggest that they start giving percentage-wise if they never had any goal of giving. Well, why not just give a percent, pick a percent? Well, you know, the Bible talks about tithing, but if you can't go there, uh, what can you do? Well, I, I, I could do 2%, okay? Well, let's start with 2%. What can you do next year? Well, I don't know. Well, what if you try to raise it every year by half a percent or a percent or th until you get to where you think we ought to be? You, you know, if you tell the new Christian that, okay, we've got to have 10% of your money today, even though I, I think they'd be better off if they did it, most of them would go, just what I always heard about church. You want all my money? No, not really. Just 10% will be all right for right now. Or 20%, whatever you feel challenged to give. You notice I didn't say anything below 10%, but that's up to y'all. But when you begin, you can't start there. You've got to talk to them about giving what God has given them in a percentage of what they have. You've got to talk to them about being more faithful each and every year as they grow closer to Christ. It may overwhelm them or it may not. It may be they're ready to tithe when they belong. But they may not be ready to go to Sunday school. You know, there's a disease right now rampant in our land about Sunday school, if you didn't know that. You probably don't in this little haven here where 80% of the people who are church members attend Sunday school. That's only about twice of the normal average at a church of any size. And it's probably more than about five, about five or six times more than anywhere north or west of our southern center. Now, the Baptists, we won't talk about it. We throw them out when we count Sunday school. Sometimes they even have more in Sunday school than worship. Not sure how to feel about that if I was a preacher, but anyway. <laughs> the reality being that Sunday school is necessary for us as a place to grow, as a place to expand our thoughts. That's why we encourage people to be in small groups. Because without that, they're going to lose God's attention. Actually, they're gonna, God's going to lose their attention. They're going to get so focused in on themselves that they don't see the pillar of fire anymore. Nothing is more disappointing to me than to see someone who's lost sight of the pillar of fire in their life, who thinks their life is over. Somebody asked me just the other day, well, when are you going to retire? You know, you said three or four years when you left. I said, yeah, well, it's only been two. 
a one and a half of Larry's Bend. I said, but my story's kind of changed a little bit. What do you mean? I said, well, I don't know about this retirement thing. I don't know how to really retire from serving God. Now, I might quit showing up every Sunday to preach, but retire is a strong word. I think I'll just quit uh, and then start doing something else for the Lord that I can do for free. You know, uh, but retire, not speak a word about God, not teach anybody about Jesus, give up on the purpose of seeing every human soul delivered from sin and darkness into the light of Jesus Christ. How would you quit on that? How do you get so old that you can't do that, especially now that there's computers and email? And I'm going to learn all about that stuff when I retire. Not now, so don't flood me with it, please. I'm already flooded with it. But the reality is this story keeps moving along. If we avoid drastic actions and allow people to move at their pace, they'll keep moving along and then they'll respond more and more. It's like raising a teenager. You remember how sweet they were when they were in the second grade? And even better when they were three years old. Miller's compliant four now. It's so sweet. Rachel, one and walking. And I got a feeling her twos are going to be something to write home about. Micah, I'm sorry. What did I say, Rachel? Rachel's my youngest, isn't she? Uh, well, Rachel and Micah got a lot of similarities. Uh, but whenever Micah walking around and growling at the world at one, mm, 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 it's going to take a process for that girl, I think. And I'm excited about that because I like people that are not easily broken. <laughs> I do. I like stubborn people. Uh, I really like to argue with them. Now, I don't get involved in church arguments a lot with them. I just try to outsmart them. So if you're one of those that think you're being outsmarted, let me know so I can keep score and mark one for me. But the reality is people with strong personalities... They don't come to the Lord in the same kind of way. But when they do come to the Lord, they make great service to the Lord. And you know, I just look at all this congregation week after week, and I see people that have been following the Lord in so many ways. I'm excited about what God is going to do with us and what tendencies we have to release so that our process can grow. So we can be more effective as the people of God. Because I believe that's happening. In fact, I believe it so much that I scheduled a, a special event for us in the middle of May. Uh, I'm sorry, middle of February. First part of February before we have our mission week. We're going to have a weekend event here that is going to be for a, a designated group of leaders in the church. Who will be on communication with you as they continue to do the work to get ready for that event in February. So we can discern where... God is leading us in this process of our life as a church. And I, I'm excited about God doing that and about us being present for that. Now, the other thing that God knew is that not only do you have to provide a way for them and make sure it doesn't get too tough for them, but also you have to provide forgiveness for them. Because the Micahs of the world and the Rachels of the world, I can talk about Rachel, she's in Thailand. And if you see her name on Facebook and start telling her I'm talking about her, Shame on you. And for the Dugs of the world. Some people think I'm stubborn. I don't know why they get that. 
I might be a little strong opinionated. Staff will not give any testimony to that statement. But the reality is God has provided forgiveness for us, folks, because we're going to stumble. When we laughing at Israel as a nation, we're really laughing at ourselves, aren't we? I wish my life was just one ascending rocket, but it's not. It's, a, it's an ascending jagged line because some weeks I'm better than others. Some weeks I think God is more happy with me and my actions and my thoughts than he is other days. Sometimes I think that I get pretty close to actually doing something God really wanted me to do and I, and I actually caught it and I got it and I did it. But in other times, I'm not all that I could be. Now I know that's not everybody's testimony. I know there are lots of, uh, I'm trying to think of a nice word, I don't want to offend you, but calm, more easily led people than I am. I'm, I'm a donkey. I'm stubborn. I don't give up. And I don't give out, at least not so far. So God can use me to lead churches that have traits with certain kinds of animals. I don't know why he would send me here. To help this group of people, delightful people you are, and you really are delightful people. It's so easy to say that when I've been on vacation for a week and I'm back, you know. Everything will be great until I get all the news. But the reality is God has plans for us that we're going to, to follow. But even when we respond, we're going to need some forgiveness, aren't we? We're going to make some mistakes. I used to tell a congregation where I who I lived with for a lot of years, that don't worry about our failures. Just worry about when we're not trying new things that are working. Because failure is not that big a deal if you're a Christian because God's going to forgive us and because God knows the intention of our hearts when we're trying to serve him and meet his needs. And we'll keep trying until we find the right prescription, if you will, for this church and how we need to live together in such a way that we can bring deliverance to the world in which we live. We're doing such a good job internationally, I can't imagine what's going to happen locally as we get clear about what we're doing. The last thing that God provides us in this story of Moses as he leads the people onward, and you know there's a lot of grumbling. Did you notice that? You ever identify with all the grumbling in the story? And there's a lot of times when people kind of lose touch. Look at Moses. God told him to speak to the rock. What did he do? He took his staff and he hit it and because of that he never entered the promised land as a sign to all the other people when God tells you to do something a certain way do it trust God and move forward Moses didn't in that one instance in scripture and because of that he never entered the promised land so that we're going to need that forgiveness but you know what else it gives us a story to remember you should be creating biblical remembrances for your children and your grandchildren and your neighbors and your your older adult children. You should be talking to them about how God has acted in your life and what's ha come of it. You're going to be the one who passes on the story to those closest to you that people that they will hear more so than any other place, including more than when the preacher preaches. 
There's no testimony like a testimony about a memory that a father shares with a son or a daughter or that a mother tells her children as she's speaking to them with the wisdom of the ages. They will remember that as the story of God working in their family's life unless you don't tell it. Unless you just demand that your four-year-old understands why you put something in the plate when it walks by and you don't tell them a story. If you tell them a story, they'll remember it for thousands of years, just like what is recorded in the Scriptures. But if we don't tell them the stories of what's happened in our lives with God, they'll always wonder, did your faith really make any difference to you? I'm through now. I'm closing. So I just wanted you to know that if you're keeping track. So tell your children and your grandchildren and your neighborhood's children stories about how God has been active in your life. You say, well, I really can't remember anything directly that God has done. Then take a day off from work, from family, and go somewhere by yourself and read your Bible a while. And God will fill your mind with how he has been around you your whole life and will help you remember it so that you can tell those stories. We live at such a pace sometimes that we forget stories. I have a yearning. Uh, after a week away from the congregation, I come back, and before I come back, I started looking at some email, and I had an email, very close friend, lost a father from another congregation. And the visitation is Monday night, and the funeral's Tuesday. I've been gone a week. Very close to this couple his dad who died suddenly evidently I didn't know that he'd been sick or ill the problem is that he the service and the funeral is in Marble Falls I've never been to Marble Falls unfortunately I found out it's north and west of Austin it's a long way away and I just got home and I got a lot to do Tuesday so I'm wondering and wrestling with myself should I go down there or not should I ride with a preacher from that other church is probably going to, or should I ride by myself? Because if I rode by myself, I'd have eight hours of road time to speak into a cassette recorder with just God and I, and hopefully nobody else will get in our way on the highway. Just be the two of us there. And all these things are rambling around in my head. I can start making a list of them on the phone, and I can just listen to Christian music and be soothed out, smoothed out. And I had a week of Sally's discipline. Now I've got, I'll have a chance to hear the Lord clearly. I know. <laughs> Robert, if she promised you potluck, it's not all that great. <laughs> but, you know, yeah, can be the same thing. So I don't know whether I'm going or not. This issue is still in doubt. Sweet Cindy's reminded me of all I need to do. And she said, not trying to be your mother. And I said, I know. Been thinking about those things too. Really good point. A small part of his deliverance story would be if I drive down there and show up and turn around and drive home Monday night, Tuesday morning, then he will know how much I care about him. 
I can call him, I can write him, I can try and be there, or I can just get in my car and go. I'll make up my mind by noon tomorrow what the Lord is telling me to do, trying to close my ears to everybody else, including myself. But God will have the final say. You know, sometimes you just have to get off by yourself to hear God speak. Especially if you have a phone and grandkids and kids who talk to you all the time on the phone. You never hear their voice. You just read their text messages. Daddy, if you want to talk to me, text me. Don't call me. Yes, dear. Oh, is that the phone I'm paying for still? I don't remember. I just text me, Dad. So every now and then I'll call. No answer. I text. Right back to me. Yeah. I left you a message. Don't ever check those things. I don't know how the world changes with that. But it does. The people that you're talking to don't know anything about church, have been fast-forwarding along with life, not keeping up with their deliverance. We have to have a plan. We have to be a plan that's safe enough for them and challenging enough that delivers them safe from their problems in the current day and brings them forward into the nurture so that they grow in their faith. Providing for their forgiveness along the way when they stumble, and for the clear sense that the presence of God is always with them, not in a pillar of fire, nor in a cloud, but in his presence by his Holy Spirit to guide them and lead them through every confusing day. That's a plan. We've got to figure out how to deliver it as the instruments of God in this place. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for Moses and his willingness to obey you. And we thank you that we can be called your children. We thank you for the community of the people of God and for our part in it. And we thank you that you do not forget us or give up on us, but rather continue to call us forward into the future plans you have to rearrange who we are, how we think, and what we do with the time that you've given us on this earth. Bless this congregation, Lord. I know you love them with an unfathomable love. I know they love you. I know that where the love of the people is met by the love of God, incredible things happen. And so we trust ourselves in your hands. There's one here, Lord, who doesn't know you as Savior. Move their hearts this day. If there's one here, Lord, who knows you as Savior but doesn't, belong to any congregation or body of believers where they have committed themselves to work for the betterment of others. Let them come forward this day as we sing this song so that we might welcome them into your arms as a part of the body of Christ in this place. For we ask it all in Christ's name. Amen. Will you stand with me?
Everybody's good this morning. Let me introduce to you Larry and Lori Castella, who come this morning transferring their membership from another United Methodist congregation. They've seen the light and are moving from north to south, coming where it's warm. Going to be living in Frisco about two miles from my house, so let me know your schedule for dinner and that kind of thing so that I'll be able to uh, enjoy them even more. As they're here today, I know that you've taken the vows many times before in different places. You've been a faithful member of the United Methodist Church for a long time, and we gladly receive you here. Is it your intention to live out those vows here in the presence of this congregation and with this congregation by sharing your prayers, your presence, your gifts, your service, and your witness in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ? Let me be the first one to welcome you to this congregation of the United Methodist Church. We're glad to have you come. I'm so thankful for everybody that comes forward and becomes a member of this congregation because I know they're going to be fed. It's good to see you here. I know it's Thanksgiving week. Many of you will be traveling. Please travel carefully. Please watch out for others who are not traveling as carefully. Please go to be with your family if you have the opportunity. If not, if not then find other people around you who can be your family and celebrate Thanksgiving with the vigor of the people of God. For we have so much to be thankful for. For me, this year I'm thankful for you as a congregation that God has given me to be a part of of the coming years. Bless you, guide you, and may the peace of Christ be with you today and forever. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. I'm going to ask the Kestelas to go forward with me so that you can speak to them. Come on. No, I'm going to. 